You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Charles, Jim Rome, what's up, man? How are you? Yeah, bro. You know that's that? Everything always come back in 20 years, right? <laughs> <laughs> My man. That's good. I like that. I like that a lot. I appreciate you. How you doing, Oak? Uh, good, man. Always good to talk to you. Hey, now it's cracking. Welcome to episode 210 of the Jim Rome Podcast. We have another enormous episode on deck because... My guest this week is exactly what the original side hustle was made to do. My guest this week takes absolutely no bleep from anybody ever. He never has. He never will. And as always, he shows up. And he shows up to tell it exactly like it is. My guest legendary NBA enforcer Charles Oakley. If you know anything about the association, you know all about the oak tree. He was MJ's personal bodyguard. Not my words, but MJ's himself. He was the heart and soul of the 1990s Knicks. And a whole lot of dudes like to say they keep it real, but as you're about to hear, Charles Oakley really does keep it real. All the way real. Like pretty much nobody ever. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation, so let's get right to the good stuff. It is episode 210 with NBA All-Star Charles Oakley, and it's coming at you right now. My man, Charles Oakley. Oak, it has been a minute or 20 years. What's up, my man? How you doing? I'm good, good. I'm glad to be on the show. You got a lot of good stuff, especially in this book. I know you probably read it, but let's get with it. Okay, you know it. I'm all about it. And I love that you uh, committed to it and you put your thoughts down on paper and you've got some of the all-time great, great stories. Now, the book we're talking about, Oak, is entitled The Last Enforcer. Let me start right there. I love that. What's it mean to you to be, quote, the last enforcer? Well, it's it's good to be called last enforcer, but I think that uh, with with my skill, my mind, stuff I've done over the years, how I carry myself as a professional, and I just like to see things right at me, right around me at all time. I, I like to see people happy and, pe- and things right for people. So, enforcing me, try to make people life better, try to show love. It ain't just being a force out here doing stuff wrong. It's some doing, it's doing stuff positive. 
And you know, I appreciate that. I think what you're saying is, I mean, this notion of being an enforcer, yeah, you don't want to mess with you, but you're here to elevate other people. You're here right. to take care of those who are around you. In fact, Michael Jordan, Charles, wrote the foreword to your book, which speaks to how close the two of you still are. He also said that you were his bodyguard. That's his quote. Like, what did that entail? Did that mean that you were there to make sure that nobody took liberties with the future GOAT, or did it run even deeper than that, and was it more personal to you than that? Well, in this book, it talk about how, not just in the book, people themselves, and like Wayne Gretzky, you get guys like that talk about Michael Jordan. It, 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 Wayne Gretzky told him one day, you wouldn't be who you were without Charles Oakley, but not just to protect people, knowing that, they feel safe around me. That's important too, and I got their back. But no, I try to always be a big brother. Uh, make sure people's okay, things is right, and uh, you know, I, I just got that name from uh, coming up. You know, they called me Oak Tree, and um, I was always, you know, around stuff going on. I was trying to, you know, make. I try to be that leader. That's how you build your leader skill too by showing people that you can be in charge, and, um, and that's how I played on the court. All right, now, Oak, I'm going to get to some of these stories in a minute, but you mentioned that like when you were coming up, you were known as the Oak Tree. Uh, you still look amazing. You look incredible, and I'm always fascinated by athletes and how they approach fitness and nutrition when they retire. You know, some look like they could still go out there and bust somebody up and play, and then others, you know, it's I'm not here to judge, but they'll let themselves go. I'm curious, like, what's your approach and mindset to your health even this long after you played the game? Because you do look like a million. You still look like the oak tree. Thank you. Uh, I think this is showing how much I love uh, the game and uh, myself. And I, I think my approach is uh, when people see me, I want them to see me like a vision. Like he, like you just said, he still got it. He still can go out there. I don't want them to say, wow, he fell off, got out of shape, he let himself go. So I want to let them know that. I was a professional on the court and off the court. That's why I keep myself together. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Now, does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that allows you to catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Does that sound familiar? If so, let me tell you about a very simple way to get all the entertainment that you love, but without all that hassle. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It also means no juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the very best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of all the clutter and all the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. All right, so this book is called The Last Enforcer. Charles Oakley is the author of the book. So, Oak, you had three really good years with Chicago. You put up good numbers, and then they ultimately traded you to the Knicks for Bill Cartwright. Did you, I mean, like, you know the business. Did you see that trade coming? And when it happened, what was your reaction? Wow. So in this book, the trade, yeah, it, it, hit, me, it hit me, like, you know, at my knees. But the crazy thing about the trade was I was at the Tyson fight in New Jersey, Atlanta City, me, Mike, and Richard Dent. But it was just crazy. No, I didn't see it coming. But in life, you know what? I got traded to the New York. They named it twice. I had a job, and that's the most important thing. I went out of work, 
And uh, it was it was great playing with Mike. We had so much fun over the years. But the key thing about it, we stayed friends. And that's why you see on the front page of the book, he did the forward. Yes, he did. Oak, you mentioned that you were at a Tyson fight when you found out with Richard Dent. I don't know if you know this or not. I haven't, I haven't spoken to Richard Dent in a moment or two, but he was also a good Rome guy. I loved Richard Dent. Are you and he still close? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Richard's one of our guys, and uh, he still, we did a lot of stuff together. And um, right now he's doing good for himself. But, yeah, he, uh, you know, we're getting older now, but uh, he's still in the game. So, you mentioned that you were at the Tyson fight. You also saw Mike Tyson when he was in prison. What do you remember yeah. about that? Well, I think it was a, it was the playoff, and uh, it was in Indiana, and we always get in there early. I had seen the schedule, and I made the call, and I made sure that you know they had me on the list before I went down there, make sure everything's okay. So basically, tell you when you go up to the jail, they want you to wear opposite color than what they get, what colors they wear, and I knew that. So basically, it was fun. Knowing Mike in Cleveland, uh, Mike was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, what happened, but uh, when he got out. You know, we still hook connect to this day. I've seen him at the COVID service in uh, L.A. Uh, talked on the phone a couple of times. Matter of fact, he's a vegan. I went to his house in Vegas and cooked for him a couple of times. So how'd that go? It went well. Uh, you know, big house and uh, sitting back eating good food. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. Charles Oakley is joining us. His book is called The Last Enforcer. So, Oki, for instance, like Scotty, I'm just jumping around here. There's so many stories in the book, too. Scotty, of course, went pretty hard at Mike in his book. Like, in your opinion, were those two never fully on the same page? Or was Scotty's reaction mostly about how MJ and the producers dealt with him in the last dance? I think they was on the same page. You know, we're in six championship. <laughs> it might have been 100%, maybe 70 But one thing Mike always said about Scotty, he would, he would never won six championships if he had Scott on his side. I just think Scott has been going through a lot. Um, his family, a few people, you know, passed away. His wife divorced, his son passed. And, you know, he felt like he was shady in the book. You know, they, he, he, he deserved more in a positive way. But then I told Scotty, you know, when they were talking, like, you open the door about the trade, they didn't want to go back in the game. Three or four things to make people look at you like, oh, okay. Then they're going to say, how are you talking about the best player to play the game? So they say, whatever you said, you got to live with it. So everything he said about whoever else, then treat it right, this and that, he got to live with it. But uh, I think he's a strong individual. But some people, like they say, you know, things just, you know, come out and they might not want to come out. It just sometimes happens like that. But, uh, I don't think they'll be back that 7% like they was. It's probably around 10, 15 now. It's going down. So right. I don't know what's going to happen. Charles Oakley is joining us. His book is called The Last Enforcer. Now, Oak, you in the book talk early and often about Charles Barkley. This should not oh, be yeah. a surprise. Yeah, that, that's not your guy. This should not be a surprise to anybody who knows anything about you or him. When did he first get on the wrong side of you? Like, overall, what is your issue with Barkley? My issue was we was in Phoenix playing a basketball game. And he tried to play smack me on my chin. Wrong guy. So ever since then, it's been like a turbine on the airplane. We've been jumping around, moving around. Um, he got comments about me, but I like I tell everybody, if I'm in a room, if he, if he in a room, I walk in the room, he got to leave the room. One of us got to go. <laughs> so, I mean, like, oh, for instance, set the record straight on this, right? There's that famous story 
that at a Players Association meeting in the 90s, you punched him in the face. Like, did that actually happen? No. So it was a lockout, this and that. He was saying stuff in New York press in the paper, and it got back to me. Similar to Isaiah was saying, the Knicks ain't no good, this and that. So really trying to throw us under the bus. As a player, I take it to heart. I mean, everybody can't win a championship. So the words got out, and I said, you know what? I said something in the paper. I said, the next time I see him, I'm going to smack the heck out of him. And then the player associated me, I walked in the room, and he was standing on the wall. I went over there and just smacked the inside of him. I was going to say, Oak, I think what you said was, I'm going to smack the shit out of him. I think that's what yes, you said. Yes, I, I, and I did. And um, I went to have my seat and wait for the meeting to start. I mean, Oak, just like that? Like you walked right over to Chuck and you smacked the shit out of him yeah. and then you Chuck, waited for the meeting Chuck, to start? Chuck, what, what? He, he ain't about that life. He gets on TNT, he can hide behind that glass. But I mean, walking outside is a whole different life. And now a message from Discover about customer service and common sense. When you have credit card questions, it is nice to have them answered by a real person. You know, somebody who can actually understand your issues and then work to resolve them. In other words, what you do not need is a robot. And that's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives that are available 24 and 7. No wonder we call it live customer service. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. It's really interesting. Like, I, I don't want to get between the two of you because, I, I mean, I'm not going to be two-faced about this. Like, I love him. I love you. And I'm, okay. that, that, can well, I appreciate hey, that? Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to get between. The last thing I want to do well, is no, five no, foot it's nine. A, I mean, it's, it's a lot of people like, uh, I have a friend, might not like somebody. I, don't, I mean, it, it happened like that, you know. <laughs> like, he talked about MJ. I would love to see what happened at the All-Star game at, at the 75, the top 75, like Isaiah and Scotty was there, and Barkley, that would have been MJ. I know he would have had something to say to him. You know, Isaiah always said he should have been on the dream team. You was Isaiah, you wasn't on the team, just a separate. You're 67 years old. Ain't no more milk in the bottle. Go home. Quote, there ain't any more milk in the bottle. Go home. Like, Oak, <laughs> I don't even know if you appreciate the shit that comes out of your mouth sometimes. Like, where does that stuff come from? It's just conversation. That's why this book is so real. The Last Enforcer is a book that you've never been out before. And a lot of books out there you can read. It's like, I like this book. But this book going to stay with you. The story is going to stay to you. You can always, you having a bad night, something going wrong at work, go home and read this book. It's going to uplift you. And the story is going to have you laughing all day and night. No, I hear you. Like, I got a big smile on my face right now. I know you got a big smile on your face as you're telling <laughs> that story. Like, so what about Isaiah? Like, I understand why Mike on the way up had an issue with Isaiah because Isaiah had what he wanted, but then Mike got it, and then Mike had it. So what was Isaiah's issue with Mike? Was that like an Eastern Conference thing, or did it run deeper? I, I, well, in the book, I talk about a little. I think it was that, not you know, Mike. Mike came in the league in Magic, Bird, George Gervin, Isaiah. They was more of the front, you know, front runners, and all of them was cool. But Mike came in as a rookie, having you know, almost 28, 30 points a game. And when you come out – you know, North Carolina, you only have 14. You double down the first year, and and somebody on your block, like, man, this guy had a bicycle, now he got a Bentley. It's going to be a problem. So when they try to freeze him out in the All-Star game, he just played the hand. He, he played a poker hand on himself. I'm going to see y'all somewhere down the road. And, and down the road, he punished all of them, Magic and Isaiah, because when they beat Detroit, Isaiah tried to sneak, bad, sneak past Bill and Bill, wouldn't shake his hand. 
Well, Isaiah really mad because he took over his city. Isaiah was from Chicago. Mike got six rings and a statue right outside on the west side where he grew up at. That's why he really mad about it. Do you think that still eats up Isaiah? Do you think he's still pissed about that? Does that still bother him? Oh, yeah, it still bothers him. You know, he, he he still talk about it. You know, but he's not even that good. He's he not that guy that he pretend to be. He got he got two faces on, you know, so it is what it is. Mike don't think about that. And then young coach didn't want you in the dream team, so he said that Mike Neal shamed him for not going. He was top five players, but they had somebody who helped pick the team. You got to blame them, not Mike. So, like, would, or Oak, what you just said about Isaiah, like he's got two faces on. Is he a two-faced dude? And generally, what do you make of somebody who's not what they appear, that they're, that they're two-faced? Well, that's why he, he didn't get a lot of things that he should have got because people found out about him. And, you know, when you, when you act like that, sometimes, yeah, you're going you can, you can to win a lot of games like that. But when the, when the most important thing, like a dream team, some other events, they don't bite you to it. They don't know. They know you don't know how to act. So when you're two-faced, a lot of that takes place. Charles Oakley has a book. It's called The Last Enforcer. Some of this is in it. Some of it's not. There's a ton of amazing stories in it. Oak, you said something really fascinating. I thought about Patrick Ewing and being in New York with him. You said it was Ewing's body, but that he left his soul at Georgetown. I mean, that's really something. What do you mean by that? I mean... When you watch him play in Georgetown, the toughness, him and Michael Graham, and once I got you know traded from Chicago to New York, I didn't see that grunt. I didn't see that toughness. I mean, all I seen was guys going down the lane dunking on him time after time. And we fought to be New York, you know, the cornerstone, you know, defense. And I think if he'd have played more, you know, team like shooting out of double teams and this and that, that's showing you don't trust us. And that that, that really. Some of my points that, you know, coaches got a lot to do, too, because the coach called the plays. But uh, we had to sacrifice a lot for him to make him who he, you know, are today. And he didn't give us that back. I think when you we sacrifice for him, all we ask you to do is be our leaders. When something happens, speak up. You know, show us that you know, what we're doing benefiting you and what you do for us benefit us. It wasn't that. So, you know, the leader skill, the leadership skill wasn't there. I think that hurt us because – if you look at all the champions who got championship reigns, they went through adversity, and he didn't want to challenge that adversity in New York. The press or nothing. You got to cuss one of them out every now and then, let them know that hey, I'm I'm patching you in from Georgetown or whoever. We didn't get that, and we needed that to get over the hump. You know, we were too laid back, and you know, you playing against Akeem and Mike, you can't be laid back. You got to try to pull their chest out like they trying to pull our chest out. So, were you kind of looking for him to at least? I mean, verbalize it, but if you're not going to say it, at least kind of like front or have this presence of, I'm Patrick fucking Ewing, get on my back, and I'm going to get us there. Is that what you're saying, pretty much? Well, just like Joe Burrow from Cincinnati Bingo. He put the team on his back, second year in the league. I mean, guys like Mar- you know, that's some it factor. You know, yeah, he wasn't a king, but when, we, when you tell you the base of the East and you play against the king, that's when, like Ali and, you know, all them, Ali and Joe Frazier. Yeah, Joe Frazier lost two fights, but he showed you, you are going to punk me, Ali. You know what I'm saying? We didn't get that out of him again when we played against Keem in the final. A king ate him up was like, you know, like he was a, you know, a piece of meat. Like, Oak, how did you handle that? I, did you go to Ewing and say, come on, man, are you fucking kidding me? Or did you just kind of let him be? Like, how, how did you handle that? 
Well, I think Anthony Mason, rest in peace. Yeah. Mason, I mean, my thing is, I'm a team player. My job is just hustle, do this. I think Mason spoke up in that way for the whole team. Mason always had something to say. Um, I really think he got Mason traded, but because he 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 was real sensitive, so I think he had run in with Derek Harper on the team. I mean, because he just you know he he wasn't that. I mean, I hate this. He's like we talking bad about Patrick. No, I just if you watch the tape, I tell everybody the biggest the biggest thing happened to us in, in Houston did was when the King Olajuwon passed the ball out of double team to Sam Cassell twice and he hit the three. And Patrick didn't do the same thing when they double team him. He took, he shot the fadeaway, and that hurt us. Because you go a team double team you the weak side, you got you know three against two. That's what you want on the double team. You swing the ball, but I mean us here say you know we lost, we send the loss because we looked three two, we lost two straight. I mean we all had some things in the game that go right for us, but I think I mean, your best player don't live up to the best time, and you play against the other team best player, and the, and that was the big difference. The team average twenty eight and like thirteen, he averaged sixteen and eight. He got abused, right? I mean, Akeem did what oh, uh, yeah. he's the dream, man. Charles Oakley is joining us. His book is called Last Enforcer. Yeah, the dream was something else. Oak, what about Mace? Like, he's another one. I used to love talking to Mace, man. My, Mace, he was something else now. What yeah. what, are, what are your memories of Mace? I rest in peace to Anthony Mason. He was just tough. He was a great team guy. He was preaching, you know, I'll tell you one thing about Mace. After every practice, he went and talked to Pat Riley about what's going on with the team and what we need to do. And I, I really love him for that because he made Pat Riley respect him by knocking on his door every day. And a lot of coaches don't – you don't hear a lot of players doing it to coaches, especially a coach like Pat Riley. He got into Pat Riley. It might be the only guy that – you know, I don't hear a lot of guys who play with Pat Riley, but Mace – Pat Riley ended up really liking Mace. He even came to his funeral and spoke well about Mace. Hey, listen to this. Do you have any idea why free trials renew without your consent? It's because it's a scam that's out to get you. Do not let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you do not need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your True Bill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I'm telling you, I love this product so much. This was a real issue for me. I admit it. Truebill has over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. Do not fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash Rome. Go there right now. Truebill.com slash Rome. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash Rome. I think you're right, Oak. I don't think a lot of players did that with Pat Riley. You know, you the Knicks, you guys, I mean, you went hard against Chicago, but they, I mean, you could tell me they were better, they had your number, whatever it is, you just could not get over the hump. I'm curious, what about the coaching dynamic? Do you think, did Phil Jackson, was he able, and Riley was so tough-minded, man, but was Jackson able to kind of get in his head, do you think, on some level? I, oh, wow, great question. So I talk about this in the book. I think we end up getting too much involved with, Bill Jackson playing stories in the paper. Pat Riley, you know, both of them had won championships. Both of them played in the league. So they start playing 
chess and checkers. But Phil Jackson was playing chess and Pat Riley was playing checkers. So the dynamic of the game, he was trying to beat Phil Jackson so to beat the Bulls. I've I seen that play out a few times because my thing is when you play the Bulls, you don't sub until they sub. And it ain't about giving some, some situations. You don't just give guys a minute because it's the playoff. You give guys what determining of the game. And that's one thing I always watch teams. When you substitute against the Bulls, they kill you. Because, you know, it's just you'd be so zoned in. It's like a boxing match, you know. When you go into the end and they make a decision, you know that you feel like you won, and then they feel like they won, so you wait to the judge to say, your number, your number, your number. But, I mean, I think that with the Bulls, they, oh, Mike always said I was born at the wrong time. I said, you, <laughs> we play against six against five, so you're cheating anyway. <laughs> That's great. All right, so this is not as funny. This is not a convenient segue, but back in the day also, you had an issue with Tyrone Hill. And for those who do not know, that was a famous issue. What's the story there? What happened? So in the book, um, I'm going to tell you the new story. The new, it, it, we had a couple issues. So yeah. One is about we were playing ball in Atlanta, and um, we was killing like 8-2 to two or what, 8-3, to three, and he called ball and da-da-da, this and that. And I said, please, do not walk up on me because I'm not giving the ball. So one thing happened, he walked up to me, we got into it. So I'm leaving the gym. He go back and get the guy, the director who running the gym. So as I leave out the door, here come the police. I'm like, wow, what happened? So I'm, so later on that day, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I get a knock on my door. I'm in the Ritz Carlton Buckhead. No, 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 we got a warrant for your arrest. Oh, so anyway, dude. he went and made a police report and had a warrant for my arrest. We go to court. It's just so crazy is, to this day, he still got restraining order on me. <laughs> Oh, dude. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. All right. So that I'd never heard any of that. So there's that. Is that the story or is there more to the story involving Hill? Uh, it's more. So we got in this book about two or three stories on him. So th- don't go to the book. I know they have to read the book. Can you share another of the stories here or should I move on? How about this? How about that story about where you punched him in the face? How about that story? Oh, and shoot around, or or whenever. Well, did, right, it, no. did it happen more than once? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had about three run-ins. I figured. I'm gonna give you a, a piece of one. So we yeah. were playing them. So we and I was in Atlanta. Everything happened in Atlanta. Wow. Everything like everything stayed in Vegas. Stayed in Vegas. So everything <laughs> in Atlanta, you tell. Right. I got you. <laughs> so we in Atlanta. They was playing dice or whatever. So I really didn't know him, but I knew he was playing with the Cavaliers, and he just got a contract, right? So he said, I need some money. Oh, I saw. He said, I said, how much? Because he was playing this guy. I just got there. It was like, they had started like 12. I got to like 233. He said, I need, I need some money until the season started. I said, okay. So I gave him 20000 Because, you know, he was playing poker. So I gave him 20000 So the season started. He, he didn't uh, He didn't come to the first game. The next game, he, he okay, we in Philly. So we go to Philly. You know, early. We go to early. I get to like 545. And I had some flowers in my locker. Somebody sent me some flowers. Said, good luck in the game. So, you know, to Charles. So I take off the, the card. I take off my name. I said, to Tyrone Hill from Charles Oakley. And I get a, I get a ball boy, $100. I said, go put this in his locker. So I said, when he come in, just, just, just stand the door and see his reaction. <laughs> so the ball boy took the flowers and put it in his locker. He walked in. He said he was smiling ear to ear. He sit down and started reading the card. He said the ball boy said about 20 seconds later, he started coughing, and he left. 
He, he left and went home. He ain't playing the game. Oh, my God. Oh, that is incredible. That is amazing. Okay, help me with this. Like, yeah, I've known you a long time. I'm hearing these stories. You're laughing as you're telling these stories. Dude, you're a good dude. Like, how are there so many issues? How? I, I don't understand this. Like, do they not know? Are, are, are you holding people to a code that's unreasonable? Like, how does this happen to a good dude like you all the time? Or to yeah, them? I don't know. It's just like it's to this day. I'm gonna tell you one story. Yeah. Everywhere I go, security guards, no matter where I'm at, my wife seems like they always engage with me in a wrong way, and something happens. So I'm in New York. I went to my Italian guys. We go eat, eat some good Italian food. We had a friend from Atlanta at the time with his girlfriend. He said, uh, "Let's go out to have you know, be, you know, go mingle for a while." So it's like five of us. So my guy from New York. They know everybody at the doors in New York, so the outside guys. So he had called ahead, like, okay, we got five people, we coming. So we get there, you know, you know, there's a little line. He, he said, come on around. There's always one guy, ain't there, but he won't act like he's running the place. So we with the guy who told us to come up, but another guy come up. Y'all can't come in. I'm like, well, he just told us, nah, I run the place. I said, okay, man, you, don't be hollering at me. He said, I can do whatever I want. I said, don't holler at me. So it's five of us, right? My man with his girl and, like, two other guys. So we get into it, like, so my guy with his girl start running up there. I'm swinging. I am knocking him out. And his girl got mad at me. I said, this guy running to the fight. When we throwing punches, I am knocking my own friend out. <laughs> you know what, Oak? It's like, it's like that famous line that Kembe once said, man, you don't, you don't run to the train. You run away from the train. Right. And plus, you got the girl with you just sit back. You know, so it, it like I said, it's it just this book. This story is just funny because you know you remember and, and like all my stories in the book. If somebody there who can tell you the, that's gonna be the best thing. We go to Q and A's because I'm gonna have some people on stage. Let them tell like I was there. This had happened. He being too nice. More happened. So that's the good thing about the story. All of them, somebody was there. So maybe one. Oh, here's a, exactly right. Like if any one of these things happened to one person, that would be like their go-to story forever. Yet <laughs> they all happen to you. Oak. And here's yeah. what I always say as a talk show host. I've done this a long time. Oak. I'm always about whenever a guest says, can I tell you a story? I'm always like, hell yes. Hell yes. Tell me a story. Stories are what make this shit go. And that's how it right. works. Your whole book is like story, story, story. There's no way. I mean, we've done a dozen amazing stories, and I couldn't get to all of them. Really quickly, though, before you go, and, man, it's so great to get caught up with you. How about this? It's one thing for you to have. Here's the other thing. When I say to you, how does this keep happening, is this just a matter of is there always that one a-hole who feels like he has to try you? Is that what it is? Well, I guess, you know, about playing ball on the court, you know, a lot of guys just lift weights and look good on the outside. But they ain't gonna, you know, they really saw. But uh, I don't know. I get it so much in Vegas. I mean, I ain't got jumped by 10, 12 guys in Vegas before. I mean, just like, I don't know why. You know, uh, it just like it just happens. I try not to go places no more, but sometimes. Right. No, no, I, I, just, I, 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 didn't want, I didn't want to interrupt you. I was going to say, but you know, like, you, there are probably things you want to do but you know you probably shouldn't do because all it takes is that one guy. Like, I've always approached my life and my career like that, that if I know it's just some people have different ideas of fun, right? Like, you'll be there to mind your own business, but somebody else might be there and have a different idea of what's fun, if you know what I mean. Well, for Mason to be, for me and Mason had 
I mean, we had some brawls with some guys in New York a couple of times. It just seemed like it always happened. I'm just glad a couple of times we was in the same place. We had one another back. But it just, I mean, I guess, you know, guys see, oh, he think he's tough on the basketball court. He ain't nothing in the streets. That's when I really get in my mold on the streets. <laughs> yeah, hey, how do you, like, did you have to, like, kind of separate those two things? Like, would you bring, was there a certain portion of street that you could bring to the NBA? Or once it was business and the bright lights went on, do you have to understand that, nah, man, I can never do that here? Well, well, I think, you know, the streets is a lot harder than the NBA, so you got to really be tough-minded in both. But I, you got to be aware at all time in the streets. But, uh, I mean, basketball is a lot of fun because, you know, so much can happen. But in the streets, a lot of stuff can happen. So I'll be real careful, but it's, it's always that one, like you say. And uh, you got to be always on your P's and Q's. Hey, look, really quickly, one last thing. I don't know this story, but I want to know this story. Dude, you had an issue with the judge, TV judge Greg Mathis? Like, yes, what, what, what happened there? So this is this is the long story here. You want to hear the whole story? Hell yes, I do. Do you want? Okay. As long as you want to tell the whole story, I'm here for I, it. I'm gonna tell you the whole story. This is the only one telling the whole story. So we we in Cleveland. I was doing an event maybe six or seven years in a row. Labor Day weekend. I had a bar. We go to the amusement park, comedy show. So this this year the weather was bad. So people was like coming in not too. You know, you canceled to the Saturday. So about three or four people that got in town. I had a van. So I picked him up in the van. We stopped downtown the flats of Cleveland, a happy hour. So we walk in. You know, I know everybody in Cleveland. So they had a table. So I'm talking to a guy. And this other guy walked up to me. I said, give me 10 minutes. He said, okay, I'll be back. So we started back talking. He come back in three minutes. I said, I said, give me 10 minutes. I said, give me five minutes. He walked back and came. I said, next time he grabbed me. Before I even had a, a drink or anything, I knocked him out. So... I knocked him out. Everybody break it up. My people right there was like, what happened? What happened? I said, he kept grabbing on me. So my stepbrother called me. He didn't know Jay's. I'm leaving. The, so we get my, I get my crew together. We leaving out of the flats. So he called me like, oh, we performing in Detroit on the, and uh, downtown in the water. The Isaac brother, Jeff Osborne. Come on over here. Somebody told him what happened. So basically about two and a half hours, you know, about 6.30. We get there about 8.30. So we going to Detroit downtown. So I got a van. I got half the lights and everything on it. So we get there, I hear about, you know, three songs now. We listen to the three songs. Derek Coleman got a club called Sweet Georgia Brown. So I t- I, after the show, I text him that we're going to Sweet Georgia Brown about 10 minutes away. He said, all right, after we cool down, 30, 40 minutes, we're on our way. So we go to Sweet Georgia Brown. We walk in. It's Queen Latifah, Kwame the Mayor, Judge Mathis, and about 10 girls. So it's five of us. So... I introduced myself, how y'all doing? So the girl said, let me go to the bathroom. I said, go to the restroom, we'll wait for you. So it go three or four minutes, they come back. So the bar to the left, so they said, um, can we stay? I said, I don't, you know, they having no, you know, get together. I said, well, ask Queen Latifah. She said, cool. So me and the other three guys, we go to the bar, just sit there. Some more guys was there. Derek Coleman was over there. And we just sitting there, we really kicking the breeze, waiting for Eddie in. So 20, 30 minutes go past. Here come Eddie LeVert and Eric Nolan Grant from the OJs. We go to the bar just talking, like 30, 40 minutes. So here comes Judge Matthews with a check. Like, he, everybody at the table said, he said, I'm going to make these NBA guys pay for this. Check We wonder how much it cost and how he did it. He plotted it. He came over there, da da da, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's going on? He said, he could your check. I said, what? The girls over there drinking. I thought well, they had one drink in the hour. I mean, what are you talking about? One thing led to another. I'm like, D.C., check him. D.C., don't check him. So, make a long story short. So, I am cussing him, D.C. out. 
he said, I'm going to call my guys on me. When he said that, I went to the roof. I told Eddie. Eddie's like, oh, please. I told my guy, go turn the van around, hit the hazard light. You push the cigar light. You hear a sound. Go, it's a stash box. So anyway, so he called me all these names, called my boys. And I'm telling the girl, see what happened? You stay with the people you come with. If it wasn't for y'all, this wouldn't be going on. Get, go to the truck and wait for me. So he's still getting out of hand. One thing led to another. We go outside, sit out there about 30 minutes. Then nobody pull up. We went on back to Cleveland. This shit's unbelievable. Oak, what a life you've lived. What a life you've yep. lived, man. I did. Did you? You couldn't have gotten every story into that book, right? There's got to be another no, book. No, no. I got about 15 more. I'm working on for the new one. <laughs> Are you already working on another book? Yeah. Well, I'm writing down stuff. So I will let this one. I'm gonna let this one get. Like I said, I'm painting the house. I'm waiting till it dries. About two years. That's it. Let let this one breathe. I mean, the judge, yeah, about man. Two years. Who's the it's judge, man? Was he? Book, was the judge like, yo, yo? Where's the bailiff, man? Like that shit's incredible. Like I can't even <laughs> no, believe. I cannot judge, even believe. Hey, the judge made a. Hey, he made a big mistake. Did you go, yo, you yo? Know, they, overruled. Like he said he's real arrogant and cocky, but he made a big mistake that night. Yeah, man, took a big swing. Didn't work out. Overruled. Like we didn't even talk. We didn't even talk about Lamar Odom. We didn't talk about Dennis Rodman. We didn't talk about Dolan. See, you know what? What I did here was I made sure not to talk about all these things so you and I could rap again. Oak, the book, the book, you you finish your thought, and then I'm going to ask you one about where they can find the book. What were you going to say? Nah, I just, you know, this is an honest book, a true book of my career. Tell everybody, you know, want to know what drive me. You know, my grandfather and the way he was brought up and as, you know, as a man of the house and this and that. And other people like, you know, like, oh, man, we need to tell your story. We want to hear your story. So I'm just telling everybody all my stories, all my career. And it's something, it's something a good reading book, too. And, uh, you know, it's just I wanted everybody to know the real Oak. And it wasn't easy growing up. And growing up in the city of Cleveland, getting stopped by the police all the time and all this and that. So when you get this book, you will be happy. Hey, look, really quickly, I wanted to ask you about your grandfather. I want to turn you loose, but out of respect to him, like, what what was he like? What did you learn from him? And how much of the way you are right now is a direct result of your grandfather? I, I learned from my grandfather to be a leader, be accountable, you know, just when you said something, do it. And, uh, you know, make you know, love people. He loved people. He did whatever people, did, you know, ride on Saturday to, to town, Sunday to church. He was a deacon. I mean, he just always wanted to make sure people around in the neighborhood – he was the only one that had a car for a long time, and he gave everybody his all his, his all at all time. You know, he, he took off days of work to make people, you know, take him to the doctor, this and that. So he was he was everything to me. Oak, I've done this now thirty plus years. I've done thousands of shows. I've done hundreds of podcasts. This is one of my favorite conversations ever. You and I always have. We always chop it up and have a good time. But this is. Definitely my favorite conversation ever with you. This book is called The Last Enforcer, Outrageous Stories from the Life and Times of One of the NBA's Fiercest Competitors. Oak, where can they get the book? In all places where you get the book, or where should they get it? Yes, you can get the book. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Or you can Google it. It'll come up and tell you more. Dude, you should be proud, man. I, I'm so pleased Thank for you. you. The book is absolutely incredible. Thank you for taking so much time to lay it out, and the book is amazing, Oak. So good to get caught up. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Holy crap. My dude, Oak, showing up huge. Oak, 
coming in here and spitting fire, telling amazing stories, and dropping bombs all over the place. I could have kept that up for another two, three, four hours, maybe two, three, four days, because the oak tree does have stories for days, and he's not afraid to tell you every last one of them. This dude does not even know the word afraid or fear. So major thanks to Oak for showing up the way he did and blowing it all up. The original side hustle. This is why I do this for people like that because of people like that. And if you're looking for more explosive, extended, unfiltered, premium content, then you're in exactly the right place because we are pumping out that kind of straight fire on a weekly basis. So do me a favor, double back and check out any or all of the 200 plus episodes that we have already banked because I'm telling you it is worth your time. All of them are worth it. And look out for episode 211, which is going to drop next week. And if you've got one second, if you don't mind, can you please subscribe? That way the app will find its way to you, and you never have to worry about tracking it down. It's easy, it's convenient, it's worth your time. While you're doing that, let me leave you with your voicemails. First new message. I recognize that guy who works for you in the back there. He's always in the upper right-hand corner of my uh, TV set. And uh, could you please ask him if the uh, presidents of the United States of America are ever going to get back together? And B, is he going to be part of the reunion? She's lump, she's lump, she's lump, she's in my head. Message saved. Next message. Band Smack, Corey from Chicago here. If President Biden wants to keep Vladimir Poontang and his pill-popping punks from Russia out of Ukraine, perhaps he should give him the same smackdown Juan Howard gave chicken-choking, er, cheesehead assistant coach Joe Puff the Crab. That would teach his ass. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. Kirby from Utah here. Hey, I listened to the podcast with Chuck twice back-to-back. Oh, my goodness. It brought back. Yeah, it was really cool. Hey, millennials and baby boomers, the reason Gen X is the least annoying of all the generations is not because of size, because we don't care. We got along with everybody. It was cool. And we just didn't give a crap. Not because of size, not because of anything else, because of the fact that we just didn't care. And we still don't care what you guys think. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Vance Max Brady? Yeah, I'm also disappointed with the latest Olympic scandal, but I got to say, I, I got to blame the coaches and all the people around her more than that poor 15-year-old girl. All those people need to be banned, and really, the Russian Olympic Committee should be banned along with the Russian Federation. But then in Paris, they'd probably just all show up competing as the Russian sports team or something like that. So, I don't know. But, hey, I'll uh, talk to you later. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin and Melbourne, man. Nobody throws a crowd party like L.A. fan. I mean, I still reminisce from the days of those eight imbeciles protesting outside of the L.A. Laker Arena for management. Keep it up, L.A. We're looking forward to the next uh, big outing. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Romy, what's up? This is David from Buffalo calling in about the Nick Casario interview. I'm not a Houston Texans fan by any means, but that was awesome how the guy said he listened to the smack off and he knows the Cavalin Asian. I mean, what, what an incredible story. I mean, what's next? Is Bill GM Brandon Bean going to say that he's friends with I.F. Brady? What else is going to happen? Is Brown GM Andrew Barry going to say that he once drank beers with Stevie Carbone? The jungle is a powerful tool, and the smack off is something I look forward to every single year, especially when these old schoolers come in. Out. Message saved. You have no more messages.